Hello and a warm welcome back to this week's episode of the Face Yoga Expert podcast. This is a place where I chat to amazing experts in wellness. I share stories from the heart and it's a wonderful community of like-minded souls who want to feel good within themselves, want to help others feel amazing as well. And this week, my guest is the perfect guest for the Face Yoga Expert podcast and it is Amy Rushworth. Now, many of you may already follow her on social media. She is an amazing coach, medicine woman, seven-figure business coach. She really helps women defy all the roles, live unapologetically powerful and prosperous lives. I have been following her on social media for a while and I've recently delved into her podcast episodes as well. And I really love how she completely shows herself authentically and is completely unafraid to do that. So Everything we talk about in this podcast really, really reflects that. And I just wanted to take a moment to send everyone love as well. I realize there is so much going on in the world at the moment. And I know that many of you are struggling with this, are feeling the heaviness, the sadness as we watch the news and see everything that is going on. So I just wanted to say that you are seen you are heard and I'm here just sending as much love and positivity as I can to you. And I just really hope that peace prevails and that the lightness comes through the dark as well. And I wanted to just give you a little reminder as well about our teacher training courses. So if you're not already a certified teacher of the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method, you can start at any time. So the course can be started whenever is good for you and you need no prior qualifications and you can become a fully qualified face yoga teacher, which will enable you to teach other people these amazing, beautiful techniques for the face. And you will be able to teach people in groups, one-to-one classes, workshops, individual sessions, whatever works for you. Many, many of our teachers do it in person. Many, many of our teachers do everything virtually. Many people set up online sessions and courses and Zoom calls and everything like that. Some of our teachers travel the world doing it. Some of our teachers work from home while their children are at school. Really is up to you and it is very flexible as well. And your learning's really flexible too. So as soon as you sign up for the course, you're sent your learning. You have videos, you have a manual, you can take your time to work through everything, take your time to do your written assignment. And then you do a Zoom call with either myself or one of our amazing students super trainers where you do your practical assignment and you have a chance to really delve deeper into any questions that you've got as well. And it's a fully accredited certification, which means that you can just get that little bit further to living the life, having the career that you love. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with Amy Rushworth. Amy, a warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you today? I'm so good. The sun is shining. I can see the sea. I'm talking to you. It's a good, good moment right now. I love that. And you're in beautiful Mallorca. So yeah, the sea and the sunshine. And I've just got this image of gorgeous turquoise waters where you are. Yeah, my house is literally on the sea. So oh. So I could jump out of my backyard into the sea. 
And the beach that we're on is this really gorgeous color. It's quite well known around the island. Like people come here because the water is so clear and so turquoise. And so I'm just every morning and even now I'm looking out the window and I can just see the ocean and I can hear it. And it's the most grounding thing in the world. I love that. And did you know of that beach and that colour before you moved there? Or were you sort of like just researching where to move to and you thought, okay, that's going to be the place? Well, I actually started on the other side of the island here. I chose a house on the internet that I hadn't seen because I was escaping from London and it was a lockdown. And so we had to choose based on photos on the internet, but I had a really good intuition about it. So we were in a totally different part of the island, which is more deserted, more remote. It's very flat. Uh, There's a lot of nature. We had loads of land and like horses and chickens on our property. And then I felt the urge for a change of scenery. And I didn't know this particular beach or area at all on the island because Mallorca is really big. So even now, like I've been here for over a year and I still don't know so many places and I'm discovering things. But the house here, my girlfriend is a real estate agent and she was like, I really think you should come and see this house. Like, I think this house is so you you're going to love it. I know it's kind of different to what you said you were looking for. And we just came and I was like, this is the house. like <laughs> This is it. And so we just accidentally ended up here, I guess. And I love this area so much. So it all worked out really divinely. Oh, that's so amazing. And have you learned Spanish since you're there as well? I've been having Spanish lessons since I got here, but I don't know. I just, my Spanish is not the best, but I try. I'm I'm all right at understanding Spanish people speaking to me, but I am not the most confident at like having a fluent conversation. And I speak about a hundred times slower than all the Spanish people. They speak so fast. So I'm learning. It's a goal of mine to be able to speak the language here, but we're lucky because a lot of people in Mallorca speak English and there's a lot of people from all over the world who live here. So it's really um, multicultural um, and lots of different languages. And yeah, it's good. Oh, that sounds so amazing. So did you get into everything wellness and also business and coaching when you were back in Australia? Or did that happen as you moved across to Europe? Yeah, so... I lived in Sydney uh, years ago, my early 20s, and I definitely now looking back know that that was the beginning of my spiritual awakening, but I started really with more traditional therapy and like goal setting and self-love and wellness in general, like the way I was treating my body and what I was eating because I'd had a long history of undiagnosed PTSD. So that's what prompted me into therapy was like I was having panic attacks and I realized that I had PTSD. So I started addressing some of the traumas and to me, like wellness in terms of food and exercise, that was a really uh, easy and accessible way for me to start gaining control of how I felt, how I treated myself, how I loved myself. And then I ended up having more of, I guess, like an intuitive and psychic awakening after I started healing and I stopped drinking and taking drugs. And so it was like 
more open and receptive. And that led me to move to the UK and deepen my journey. So I started getting more into somatic healing and breath work and um, sensuality and sexual healing and getting more connected to God and the universe and manifestation. And I've just been going in this spiral ever since, I suppose. That's wonderful. And do you feel it was sort of one massive spiritual awakening or do you feel it's been like a series of smaller spiritual awakenings? I feel like my whole life will always be an awakening. Even when I read things that I've written in my journal from six months ago, it's like I feel like a different person to that. And I I love that past version of me, of course, but I feel like I'm always learning and awakening new codes and wisdom within myself. And my paradigm of the world is always shifting and opening and expanding, you know? And so I kind of don't see it as like a destination or of course there are pivotal moments that have happened for me, but I'm, I'm always open to more, you know, and I'm always opening to being a student of life and God and the world. And so it's exciting, but I think all of that also comes from like a dedication that I have because my work is grounded in this area of empowerment and helping people spiritually and with their healing and creating their dreams. And so it's like a devotion. I'm tapped into that way of life. And so I can't not be growing and awakening all the time because it's, it's like a part of who I am. Absolutely. It almost feels like a responsibility to yourself and for the higher, greater good of everybody else as well. I completely, completely get that. And something which I really love that you talk about a lot is being unapologetic. And of course, you've got a course with the name Unapologetic. And I think it's something which you really embody because I hear many people use that phrase but then perhaps not feeling that they can fully be themselves and be the full authentic version of themselves. What did you have to do to get to the point where you feel you can be fully unapologetic and fully authentically yourself? Yeah, as with like the spiritual awakening, I think like the awakening of being unapologetic is also widening and growing all the time as well like I'm always finding different edges for myself too where I can lean into it and my business and my work definitely inspires this a lot because it's not just about me it's like me embodying that is for the world for my clients uh because I have you know a platform of influence now like it's it's like a responsibility for me to meet my edges and to go deep into the parts of myself that feel vulnerable or uncomfortable because it's like I'm I'm pioneering this revolution of women and so I I owe it to them and I think that's really empowering and I think a lot of business owners um particularly in the coaching world and the service-based world probably experience this in some way where your mission becomes more than just you. 
I often joke when people ask me, oh, so what is it exactly that you do, especially if they're not like fully entrenched in this world? I say, you know what? I talk about all the naughty topics that women are supposed to be really like not talking about. They're supposed to be quiet about that. And so I help people to expand in all these areas. And at the core of all of it, though, for my work, for me, for my clients and the world, being unapologetic is just being who you are, untethered from all of these stories that we've been given by the mind, by a culture, by conditioning. And really it's, it's purity because it's being the purest, most loving, authentic version of yourself. And I think it's important to illuminate it in that way because sometimes people think of it as being really bold or being really out there and they might not resonate with that personality trait, but truly what it is, it could be that expression, but it could also just be you uh, being brave to be who you are, being brave enough to fail and get it wrong and learn and expand through that and to set boundaries and to just be in your power and be true to who you really are. And I think that's medicine for the world and the world that we're in right now as well. It's so important because if people were just honoring who they really are, they honor other people too. You know, like when I'm fully being who I am, I have the capacity to honor people for their boundaries, for their needs, their desires, their expression, because I feel whole and complete in my own. So yeah, I think it's really at its core, the journey of removing everything that isn't truly you so that you can shine radiantly in the world. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think it's so refreshing, but also quite courageous as well, how much you can openly talk about sex, sexuality, femininity, money, all of these topics that particularly as women, we've been taught to just be quite quiet about. And we've been taught that they're a little bit of a taboo. And actually, I feel that you've been quite a pioneer to allow a whole generation of women to be able to say, okay, this is me. And it doesn't mean that every woman wants to talk completely about sex and sexuality or money. But if they do want to, I feel like you're leading the way with giving them permission to do that. Have you always been like that? And perhaps that was suppressed a little bit. And then now you feel like you're more open, particularly with the sexuality, you're more open to talk about it. Or do you feel that that came as you started your awakenings and started to get deeper into the work that you do? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I chose this path, like, or the path chose me, but I wasn't always like this. And uh, part of what inspired my journey into that was my own trauma. My PTSD was rooted in, you know, sexual abuse when I was young and I repressed the memories and they didn't emerge till later, till I was 25. And, you know, therapy was really helpful for me. But then I started wanting to get into my body and my nervous system because I was experiencing like all of these feelings and sensations that had come online for me because I hadn't been able to feel anything for over a decade. And so it was really overwhelming. So as I went on that journey for myself and I healed so much and I felt so empowered. 
I remember, and I've, I've had this moment several times throughout my life where I've just had these conversations with God, where I'm like, if you help me to get through this, I promise you that I will share it with other people because there are so many people out there, much like I was in my early twenties, when I was first going through this rock bottom, I didn't know anyone who spoke about the things that I was going through. I didn't know anyone who was empowered in that way, or had been through, you know, this mental health issue and come out the other side. And so I see it as this, again, this mission, this sacred responsibility that I have, like when I show myself on a video dancing in my underwear and like touching my womb. It's, it's not like, because I want people to see me doing that. It's like, it's how I'm living. And I'm like, how can I share parts of how I live, how I've healed, how I feel powerful with others so that I can empower them too, so that they can go, yeah, that's possible oh, wow, what's that? And get curious about that. And so part of that journey in itself is actually coming head to head with the part of me that's like, don't be a show off. Don't say that. You're going to trigger people. People are going to think this about you. And the truth is that people do, right? Like I get a lot of unfollows all the time, but I also have a lot of people who are like coming into the community all the time. And so again, it's about making your devotion to this work bigger than yourself, because it is, right? It's like sending healing through your audience. If you have an audience, if you don't have an audience, it's being sent through your lineage. It's being sent to your ancestors, to your future descendants. And so I think that in itself has really always spurred me on, like knowing that it's about something greater than just you know, showing that thing or revealing this part, it's its medicine for the world. It is, absolutely. And it's so inspiring what you do. And I know that so many women that listen to this podcast, we do have some men that listen, but I know that it's mostly a community of women the community of women, they're into wellness, very conscious women, empaths, many of them highly sensitive people, and they really feel like they want to help and make a difference to the world. And many, many of them do, if not all of them listening do. But I know that what that can mean for also many of our listeners, and I know that I've been in that position many times, and I'm sure you have as well, that can sometimes come at a sacrifice of ourselves to our own wellness, our own health, and often at a sacrifice of our own femininity and really stepping into that feminine side I feel like the world and the culture that we live in is very still unfortunately very still masculine and often we feel if we want to succeed if we want to show the best version of ourselves we have to step into the masculine side of us which of course does have many strengths and it's important to have that feminine that masculine but what would you say to our listeners that are thinking, okay, so I want to step more into my feminine. I want to be more authentically, unapologetically myself, but I have this worry, this fear of what other people will think of me. I have this fear that if I let go of that, holding on that control, that masculine, that something might happen. Do you have any tips as sort of the first steps to start to unleash our inner femininity? Yeah. So The masculine is 
obviously the mind, right? And of course we all have a mind and we all use our mind and the mind is brilliant and beautiful because we also have a masculine energy within us as well. And so it's not about abandoning that. The mind is very, very useful, right? And I'm also quite a cerebral person as well as being really deeply feminine and in the body. So first of all, these two energies are not the enemy of each other. They're actually most powerful when they're in union and harmonized. But what most of us have done, because the dominant paradigm of society is what we all assimilate to for safety, and the dominant paradigm has been this unhealthy masculine paradigm. So there is a healthy masculine paradigm, which you can start to play with, which is actually about being present and holding space and being grounded, Uh, not hustling, fixing, you know, going into burnout. So reframing the masculine in that way and then starting to connect to your body and starting to remember the power of your body. So whether that's giving yourself time to, you know, be in touch with your body in a touch based meditation, massaging your womb. For a lot of women, it can actually just be connecting to your cycles. So connecting to the different seasons in your menstrual cycle, you know, moving away sometimes from using tampons and things like that and like connecting to your blood and learning how to not be afraid of your body and its natural juices and the way that it is and aligning your schedule to that. So if you know when you're going to bleed, you know, making sure that you do the things in that time that are nourishing and also that Uh, for example, like you're most intuitive on your period. And that's actually scientifically proven, like the intuitive parts of your brain are are much stronger. And so that's a really good time for you to tap into the intuitive things that you need to do, the intuitive actions, reflections. And then maybe you're doing more of that kind of like hustle, getting shit done the week after. And this in itself, what you'll notice is as you start to play with this for a while, you realize like, oh, my body actually is a compass. It has a lot of wisdom for me. My energy is telling me things. And over time you see, ah, I'm actually much more efficient at doing things, even though I'm taking that week off or I'm only working for this many hours, but I'm working in a really focused way. So it's not about completely abandoning the way that you've done things because for for your nervous system, that's going to feel crazy, right? You're going to be like, ah, and you're going to look for every single reason why it's not working. But it's just bringing these two energies into harmony, bringing being to your life as well as doing, bringing your body in, not as a nuisance to your mind, but as a supportive space. You know, your body is the reason you can do all the things you do, right? Your energy levels, all of the things that your body is always doing is to support you. And so when we start to see that, we can start to see like, oh, my feminine energy is actually a really supportive energy. It's not a hindrance. It's just a different energy to the masculine part of me and the thinking part of me. I completely agree with that. I was saying to my husband about probably about three hours ago that actually within my working day, I have to spend time being in my feminine and then being in my masculine in order to get the best results. So this morning after I dropped my girls off at school, I went and I did some exercise and I used the spa at the gym. So I went in the sauna and I went outside into a heated pool and then I did a bit of yoga. I did a bit of meditation in the relaxation room. And that is my creativity time. So that's where 
I come up with all of my ideas because like you, you know, I put out so much content across so many different platforms. I'm always creating courses and books and everything like that. So I have to be in that creative. And the only time I can be in that creative is when I'm in a relaxation mode. So I feel like, although from the outside looking in, people are like, okay, so Danielle's starting her Monday morning in a sauna doing meditation. But actually that's as key for my business as then the second half of my day, which is now doing things like recording the podcast, going through my team with emails, starting to write down all the ideas that came, starting to put them in place and actually taking that action. So I think if we can dive in, and I completely agree with everything you say, if we can dive into both the feminine and the masculine, then that's really how we nourish and nurture ourselves. Because I know for me, I used to think for years and years that business was all about the doing and the hustling. And actually, I was never really getting the results I wanted health-wise, financially. I was never helping people, impacting people to the level that I really wanted to be until I started to say, okay, it isn't all about the action and the doing. You need to do that part, but you need to do the other part as well, which is just the letting go. And for me, as soon as I get into a relaxed state, so that can literally be just within two minutes of walking out the door and just being in nature, then I get these downloads. That's And I'm sure you're the same. That's when I get sort of all the ideas. So getting in that state and that what works for me, but someone else might be completely different and say, actually, in order to balance my feminine masculine, I need to do something else or I need to live a a different way. But Mm -hmm. I, I love everything that you said. It really is about that balance. But I feel as for women, we tend to think that we go into that masculine and that's how we're going to succeed is that what you often see with clients you're working with that they're doing the masculine and they're often forgetting the feminine well sometimes there can be even just confusion about what is what so for example when you go and you take yourself to the spa and you take yourself to have that time for yourself I would actually say that that is your grounded masculine holding the space for your feminine. So the feminine is energy, the masculine is space and emptiness and, you know, the container. And so what what most people would do or what a lot of people might do is they might get to the point of exhaustion and then they like have to go to the spa. Whereas by you saying like, okay, this is something that we regularly do. Like this is the time we go, this is when we go, we do this in this way before we do that. That's actually your grounded masculine holding space for the feminine to then be in the energy of that, the feeling of that. And from there, like both of these energetics are nourished and the masculine is nourished because the reason that the masculine wants to have a mission and to do things is because it craves the feeling of emptiness, right? And so what we usually try and do, right, to create this sense of emptiness subconsciously is like we're trying to get everything off the to-do list to be empty. And sometimes it's even our wounded feminine who's doing that because it's like, I need to be empty. I need to serve this part of me rather than just like leaning back and being like, how can I receive? And so I like to just bring them into everything as archetypes, like, oh, okay, my masculine is deciding this and this is how my feminine's enjoying it. And, you know, that helps me to almost like have this imaginary role play of how the energies are dancing together rather than them being really separate or really contrary. In the same way you see this in a marriage, right, where, you know, the other person is different to you and they think differently, but that's actually what makes 
polarity and sexual attraction and, and supportiveness in the relationship is like one person holding space, one person being the energy. And so we're doing this internally with ourselves as well. So it's defining for yourself, what are the desires and needs of your feminine essence? Because every single one of us has a different interpretation of this. What's like the dream archetype for your inner masculine? Like, how do you want that part of you to be? And then it's creating a fusion of this throughout your day so that you can thrive in that unified energy. And then what happens is there's less swinging back and forth like a pendulum where you have these periods of intense hustle and then you're completely burnt out and all you can do is like sleep and you can barely think about anything. It's just bringing them in this tango so that you have moments where you work more, moments where you work less, and you're feeling nourished in the different ways. Because we do get nourishment from doing and achieving things, I think. So it's just finding like what is the balance for you. And again, we're all different. So I think there's no like perfect blueprint, but we find out through curiosity, experimenting, and like you noticing, oh, when I go to the spa, then I get really creative and then I come back and I channel it into amazing content. Sweet. This is working for both of us, you know? So uh, that would be my advice around it is like finding a way to harmonize. Yes, I love that. I love thinking about it like a tango because I think it's too easy even for myself and the way I described it there for them to be existing as two separate polarities. But actually them working together as a tango is like a beautiful dance together is such a nice way of thinking of it. So yeah, I'm going to completely step into that now. And that leads me really nicely into my next question, which is about intuition. So finding that tango between the masculine and feminine really is about going into our intuition and it's about saying, how is it best going to work for us and really listening to that answer. But a beautiful podcast episode that you released maybe a few weeks ago was about intuition versus fear. Now, I started listening to it and I thought to myself, OK, I'm not going to listen to the whole thing. I'm going to wait <laughs> until we chat on this podcast about it, because I wanted to just have a completely clear mind to what your answers were going to be. But I know that something that many, many people struggle with, and I know, of course, I've had moments of this. I feel like I'm getting better between distinguishing between the two, but certainly I've had many moments in my life like this where I say okay I'm going to ask my intuition I'm going to go into my gut instinct I'm going to go into that sacral authority I'm going to really go and ask myself what is it and then the answer that I've sometimes got is not my intuition speaking it's actually fear speaking and when you start to delve deeper into that you realize that's often trauma it's often past conditioning coming up and we can mistake that for our intuition so if you've got any advice about how we can really distinguish that different the two voices the intuition and the fear yeah so the big answer to this is prioritizing healing, particularly body-based healing. So not just journaling from the conscious mind, but doing things like breath work, somatic therapies, working with the body. Even for some people, you know, yoga can be helpful for this. The reason being is that when you know your body and when you're not afraid to look inside and you're aware of the different sensations that can come up, for example, like if you're feeling triggered or if something activates you in some way, then with that awareness, 
you can translate it into a conscious awareness of like, "Mm, okay, I don't know if that's intuition because I get a similar feeling to that when my dad criticizes me or when I'm afraid. And so that's the big answer. And it's like not the direct, like quick fix, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, but what it will gift you, of course, healing is going to gift you so many things, but it's going to basically just create an easier ability for you to start understanding when something is an intuitive message versus this is a fear or sensation that I might need to sit with for a while. So that's the first big answer. The next thing that I usually say about fear and intuition is that intuition, at least to me and the women that I've worked with, is usually more of like a gentle hum. And so again, if you haven't like dived into healing or you're not on that journey, it's hard to hear the hum because there's usually a bunch of voices screaming over the top of it. Like the voice of your inner critic, the voice of your inner child, the voice perhaps of trauma stories that you're still hanging on to or sensations around that. And so when something's really aggressive, like a really aggressive thought or even obsessive in nature, often if I'm like circling around something for ages and the sensation doesn't feel quite calm and neutral or exciting, I can usually know in that moment, like this is something coming from my mind. And it doesn't mean that it's completely incorrect, but it's usually a sign like, okay, let's sit with that. Let's like dive into that. Let's massage that a little bit before we make a big decision on that. Whereas intuition is kind of just in the background and it's like just coming in now and again being like, "Mm, I think you should do that. I think you should do this. You know, I think this would be the way. And it's harder for some people to trust that because our intuition is often illogical and our intuition is more of that feminine energetic, similar to a mother's knowing, you know, when a mother knows that something is wrong with her child and there's no logical reason to explain it, similar to how even, you know, women give birth and it's like logically they have no idea how they could handle that or that pain or what they would be able to do in that moment and they their body leads the way. And so I think people are afraid to trust their intuition a lot of the time because they are more trusting of the masculine and less trusting of this illogical voice that sometimes comes through and is like, I think you should do this crazy thing that is totally illogical. And I actually wrote a post just before we jumped onto this call and it said something like if you have like big you know crazy dreams that defy all logic you need to stop making moves from the part of you that's logical or like the moves that you make are going to come from a frequency that's different to logic and it's not that logic is wrong and like it's not the fear is wrong either because actually in that episode that you were listening to I actually talk about how fear is a gift because I'm going to listen to the rest of it <laughs> fear fear helps us through trial and error and through like you did listening to your fear sometimes and then in hindsight realizing okay that wasn't my intuition that's valuable information fear mm-hmm. because the next time that loop comes up or that sensation comes, you're going to go, ah, okay. Historically, I remember that when this happened last time I did this. And so maybe I'm going to sit with that, or maybe I'm going to do something different and try that out because it creates curiosity. And so fear isn't wrong. Logic isn't wrong. These things are very important 
to us. But what we, I think, need to do is just like bring more of a reverence to our intuition, like celebrate it, be curious, and also just have a willingness to try to get it wrong sometimes because it's through that trial and error that we get the wisdom that we're needing. And in a way, I also have this other belief that like intuition will even have you make moves that are not right for you just so you can get the clarity because then it leads you to the next step. Yes, I love that. That's such a good way of thinking about it. But I also love how you say it's like a little hum. And I feel that too. I feel like when something's intuition, it's like a little peaceful, calm, very soul-based voice. And like you say, it sometimes doesn't make sense. And you sometimes think, uh, is that really what I should be doing or what I should be feeling? But then the fear, I really love how you said that there has, it really does have some strength in it in many ways because when we feel that fear and particularly if we are on a healing journey we can start to dive a little bit deeper into what's really going on there like i found eft tapping amazing for that so if i feel something come up and i think oh my goodness is this fear or is it intuition i often tap on it and often if i go oh my goodness is it fear it usually is fear because you know straight away the way that your body reacts to it but like you say, there's lots and lots of different somatic healing has been great. I've done lots and lots of somatic work before. I love yin yoga, actually, when you're in a state of not understanding about the fear and the intuition. It just really takes you into that lovely rest and digest state and just allows you then to listen a little bit deeper to that intuition and voice. Do you have any sort of wellness rituals or routines that you use each day which help you with your intuition but also with that lovely balance between the feminine and the masculine that we've talked about yeah so I mean I love my rituals and practices and I facilitate these things as well you know like breath work and the sexual healing and some of the work that I teach in programs like Pleasure Empress they're amazing for meeting fear and tapping intuition into intuition but in terms of like the most consistent and regular practice it's like the real life you know it's it's following that voice inside of myself and choosing to trust it, even though it's crazy. Like I wrote it in this post that I just mentioned before, where I was like, if you're a big visionary thinker, a thought leader, someone who has a really big vision for your life and the world, you're going to seem crazy compared to other people. Like you are because yeah. you're you're dancing and deciding and moving beyond the norm. And the norm is what is accepted and what is considered safe by most people. And so it does require courage and tenacity to just be like, I have no reason to trust this choice right now, but it just feels like it's correct for me. And I really believe that that's when our most powerful manifestations actually begin is when there's like no proof that it's working or that it will, but you have this deep desire to do something, to say something, to make a move. And you just decide with no evidence, like this is what I'm doing. And beneath that is a deeper trust in yourself that says like, this could be wrong, but it doesn't matter because I trust myself to figure out. I trust myself to handle whatever comes up as a result of that. And I trust that on a deeper level, like I'm supposed to follow these 
nudges because I'm supposed to learn something or I'm supposed to become someone in that process. And for me, this is really like the essence of my teachings as well, because I'm a three, five in human design. And so like my job is to try everything, fail and like succeed at all the things and then deliver the information at the end of it. And so getting really comfortable with just in the every single day, like trying things and maybe like messing it up and trying again, like to me, that is the most potent practice that you can actualize. You know, you can meditate and do all of these amazing things, but if you then get into a situation where you you contract or you don't say what you want to say or you don't make that move that deep down you're dreaming about, you're going to remain in the same place meditating, <laughs> you know? And so I'm all about like the real life ritualization of the concepts. I love that. And what type are you in human design? I'm a mental projector. So it's quite rare type and I have mostly open centers and just a defined head. So. Wow. And what's your, do you know your sun, moon and rising? I mean, I'm sure you do. (laughs) Yes. uh, My sun is Leo. My rising is Virgo. uh, My moon is Taurus. My north node is in Capricorn. And I have quite a lot of planets in Virgo. Wow. Okay. That's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a generator in human sign, which was much to my surprise. So I didn't know my birth time for years. And I had um, Jenna Zuri on the podcast about two years ago and she was saying all about human design. And that was my first sort of deep dive into it. And I was like, I'm a projector. I'm definitely a projector. You know, (laughs) even though I don't know my birth time, it's definitely that. And then I found out I was a generator and I was like, what? That really wasn't what I thought. But then I went deeper into it. I'm a one five. And then I started to understand a little bit more about it all. And I was like, okay, that sort of sits right. And then when I found my birth time, I was able to work out, you know, my sun and my rising and everything. So I'm um, I'm a Pisces sun and then I'm Aquarius moon and Aquarius rising. So I've got Amazing. lots of air in my chart. I had um, Deborah Silverman come on and she did my chart and she was like, your chart is just all air and a bit of water. And that's it. Oh my gosh. So we're, like like the, <laughs> we're the total opposite. Really? I'm like all earth. And then I have Leo which is interesting. Like people think of me as very like fiery and vivacious and very Leo-esque, but I'm actually very earthy. I'm very grounded. I'm very, even though I'm so spiritual and so fluid and intuitive, I'm a very pragmatic person. I am very just sort of grounded. I like to sort of look at lots of different pieces of information before like making, you know, true like deep decision on what I believe. Yeah. It's always, it's always really interesting when you meet people who are so different to you, but my husband's like you, like water and air. So. Okay. That's really good. Yeah. Interesting. My husband's more like you, very earth, yeah, a bit of air, not so much water. I mean, my husband's a Libra and he has me that's a Pisces and my two daughters are Scorpio and Cancer. So he literally has three water oh signs. <laughs> There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of tears in this house. <laughs> we have a Libra to balance us out. It's okay. Yeah. My husband's Libra too. So oh, I think really? it's such a nice, nice sign, yeah. Libra, isn't it? I feel like yeah. I've definitely seen that they're referred to as the most lovable, yeah. uh, like likable sign in the zodiac because they can just fit in with everyone. Yeah. I always get on well with Libras for sure. Yeah. 
And just my last question before we finish, I usually ask at the end of podcasts what people's top tip for inner peace is, but I'd love to make this really timely. Your episode is going to come out this week. And obviously there's a lot going on in the world at the moment. Mm. Um, We're seeing war, we're seeing devastation, we're seeing darkness. And what I hope to be, and I know that that you are like this as well, is be some light within the dark and encourage other conscious women to be that light within this dark time as well. But do you have any advice for just feeling peaceful, feeling grounded with everything that's going on at the moment? Mm, Yeah. So I feel like the world that we're living in even for the last few years or so, has become uh, like a polarizing dimension. And there seems to me to be a lot of pressure on people to really put themselves in these arbitrary boxes. Either you're left or you're right. Either you're pro this person and you agree with everything they say, otherwise you're, you're getting canceled. And the truth is that humanity and life and you know humans we are full of different contradictions not everything is black and white we don't have to agree with everything that one person says in order to respect and to love them or to even like agree with other things they say and the same is true of the way that things are operating now so I feel like a lot of people feel this pressure even on social media do I say something? Do I don't? Do I keep launching that thing in my business? Is it insensitive or tone deaf? And like not knowing what to do and feeling frozen because they're trying to choose a box when they don't fit in a box. And so with that being said, feeling peaceful, feeling grounded right now, just recognize that you're doing this thing yesterday. It might be totally different today. So yesterday you might've been fundraising for victims of the war. The next day, you might need to take yourself completely off social media, be super to yourself and selfish and just take care of your nervous system. And truthfully, I think like all of the actions that we would take to be of service, of generosity, to love other people, to care and support the world right now, those are going to come from a place of regulation, self-regulation, regulating your body, coming from a space where you feel you know, even slightly more grounded and in your power. And just like with you going to the spa before you do your work, it's it's the same thing. It's like taking care of yourself so that when you give your love, when you make moves, when you take action, when you're trying to inspire people to create change, you're coming from a really resource place. Because if you don't come from that space, you're going to burn out you're going to be in total disarray. You're going to say and do things that are not coming from your true heart and soul. And so it's not that you can't have emotions, but it's about caring for yourself as you move through the natural emotions, not putting yourself in a box, not making yourself wrong if you're doing things a little bit differently to how everyone else is doing them. If you need to be off social media and not sharing anything, but doing things in your private life to feel at peace to feel like you're making a difference, do it. If your version of that is the opposite, do it. But take care of yourself first because when humans take care of themselves, a better world gets created from that place. A peaceful world gets created from that place rather than from us all being in this like chaotic energy and just doing things 
almost on default rather than intentionally. So take space for yourself to figure out what you need and what you want to do each day. Absolutely. I love that. Imagine a world where everyone does some breath work and meditation every day. Every human Mm. being in the world did that. What a different place it would be. But I think that everything you said is is so so important I think it will resonate really really deeply with so many people so thank you that's Mm. wonderful and I'd love you to share with everyone where people can hear more about your courses your offerings how we can follow you on social media as well Yes. So my Instagram is, this is Amy Rushworth. I often joke and I say, come get triggered and inspired and (laughs) all the things because. And you always look so beautiful and inspiring on there Um, as well. So I feel like it's a great place to come and be inspired. (laughs) Yes. Well, like you, I have that five in my human design profile. And this is the, this is the number. If you have this number, everyone gets like triggered and projects things onto you. So it's like part of the mission, but, you know, I I pour a lot of love and a lot of care and wisdom onto Instagram. So it's a really good place to come. And then on my website, I have so many courses, amyrushworth.com. I have a membership where we do healing every month. I have my podcast. So there's so many different options, but all of them you can find on the website. Lovely. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well so everyone can go directly there. Thank you, Amy, so, so much. It's been such a wonderful and inspiring conversation. Thank you so much for having me and for listening. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.